all of a sudden, his little baby just screams at the top of its lungs. Mm. It's like this blood curling scream, like somebody is killing it. It wasn't like a bad nightmare. It was like somebody is killing the baby. And so everybody started praying because we knew exactly what it was all about. This is Camus. And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big miraculous ways all the way down to small everyday things. Hi, this is Camus. And this week I have Joanna with me. And I know Joanna because she goes to church with us. Well, I mean, she goes to church with my family and Cammy I. And her husband does Bible work there. And then Joanna comes out with me and we visit people and do Bible studies and all that fun stuff. So thank you for sharing your story with us, Joanna. So why don't you tell everybody where you're from? Okay. Um, well, I was born in Colorado. And then I grew up most of my younger years in Nepal. My parents were missionaries there. And then after... We left Nepal. We really didn't want to leave. Mm. Our heart was still there. And so because we couldn't be there, we were looking for another mission field. And that's when we moved to Utah, to the reservation. And we were working with the Navajo people there. And so this story is actually from our time there. Okay, that's cool. All right, well, I mean, obviously you guys were missionaries, but why don't you color, you know, tell, tell us a little bit more about what your religious background was growing up. So I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. Um, My parents were Seventh-day Adventists and they were missionaries. So at the age of three, that's when we went to the mission field. Oh, wow. And so I was quite involved with that because I really loved the Lord even like as a small child. Mm -hmm. And so like there were times my parents, they couldn't, it, there's no proselytizing in the fall, you're not allowed to. Mm. And so, and they told us that when we moved to the fall, and they're like, you know, we can't tell people about Jesus, or they'll take us and knock us up. And I remember asking my mom, you know, a little three-year-old, Mom, yeah. if I tell people about Jesus, will they lock me up? Oh. And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, hmm, there's things that I can say that, you know, they can't. And so I would teach, like, my little friends how to pray mm-hmm. and teach them about Jesus. And they would come and interrogate my parents. And, like, they would put them through the loops. And I'd, like, ask them all these questions, like, who taught my daughter to pray? How does she know about Jesus? How does she know this and that? And my parents were like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And it was all those little secret playtimes <laughs> when... I would, you know, take them, okay, now let's teach our dollies how to pray, and, and so, yeah, it was very much a part of my life from childhood, and just grew deeper and more special as the years went on. Oh, that's awesome. And they talk, there's that Bible where, you know, train up the child in the way they should go, and mm-hmm. they won't depart from it. And that's really true. Teach them really young. Yeah. You're going <laughs> to stick with it. All right. Well, let's pray, and then I'll let you tell your story. Dear Father in Heaven, thank you for Joanna and for her willingness to share her stories with us, Lord. Just be with her, Lord. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon her and bless the words that she's about to speak. And help it to be a blessing to the rest of us as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is the story of Brody. Um, 
on the reservation, there, well, first of all, the house that we lived in, it was like Grand Central. So mm -hmm. everybody that ever visited, they always stayed at our house. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there were some different, you know, families that were like two hours away in different directions who were starting church plants, but they didn't have any church yet or any anything really going yet. And so they would come every weekend and they would stay at our place. And this weekend we had 17 people staying in our house. Oh, wow. So like 15, 12 visitors and then five of us, I and mean, we had a full house. Yeah. And, you know, people were lined up on the floor, just bed after bed. We had two living rooms, and so both living rooms were just jam-packed with people oh. and lots of kids. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we had this couple come. His name was Brody, and then he had a, a son, and his son was about a year old, and then his girlfriend. Mm. And... They had just been invited by somebody. They didn't have any religious background, except, you know, the Navajo, um, just the, the more traditional beliefs. And so they, they came Friday night, and they spent the night, and we had a nice fellowship. And then Sabbath afternoon, we decided to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. And so we went up to this, like, it's desert down there. There's no grass or trees or anything. It's just <laughs> all desert. And um, so we went on this really nice hike. It's like you kind of hike up this stream, the very only stream that's in the area. <laughs> and it goes up this canyon, and at the top there's a waterfall, and there's green grass, and it's just like really nice mm -hmm. compared to all the surrounding area. Mm -hmm. It's the only green place. And so it, everybody like loves to go up there, and it's just so fresh. The water is cool, and you can probably even drink it. It's just really clear and fresh. So, um, anyway, we went up on this hike. And on the way up to the waterfall, about halfway, there's a, an Anasazi room. And I always love the Anasazi rooms because it's like very historic. And as a young child, I thought it's so cool to, you know, build one. I was always trying to replicate them. and. So what, what do they look like? They're, they're just like, they take the, the rocks from the area with the sandstone and they just, so like there will be a canyon that's kind of shaped out mm -hmm. and they'll build up the rocks and make it so that there's like a little house in there. Oh, that's cool. And I don't know what they use. They must have used something similar to concrete. Of course, concrete didn't come until way later. Yeah. But it's it was always really intriguing to me how they made it so strong. Hmm. I don't know what they used. They used something <laughs> that was equivalent to concrete way back then. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it was always really neat. So about halfway there was this um, Anasazi and we had to like cross the stream and then go up the canyon quite a ways. So, um, so I did that and I took a bunch of the kids with me because there were so many of them. <laughs> and then Brody his kid wanted to go too, follow all the other kids, and so he's like, okay. He didn't really want to, but he ended up going. Mm -hmm. And when he went, he kind of got into it. It was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. And normally none of the Navajos, they'll actually go into the rooms, and they kind of stay clear of them. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of superstitions connected with it. 
like the belief that the Anasazi will come back and haunt you at night or mm-hmm. all kinds of things. And so they don't go close to it, but he did. Mm-hmm. And it really surprised me because he was very traditional. And he came into the room and he was checking it out. We found some pieces of corn, like the corn cobs still, and some pottery, and we're looking at it. And then we left and we went up to the waterfall, had a nice walk, and went back to the car. And it was like about five miles. Okay. So it was a good hike. Yeah. And we got back to the car when the sun was setting. It was just getting dark. And when we got to the car, then Brody, he was like, oh, I forgot something. Uh-oh. I'm like, what did you forget? He said, I forgot to throw a rock behind me. And... Uh, he was distraught. Mm-hmm. He was like almost in tears and just anguish. He's like, I forgot. I've got to go back and throw a rock. And we're like, mm, I don't think you should go back now because there are cougars out and it's dark. Um, but he was like in agony of mind. He's like, I didn't throw a rock. So throwing a rock, you know, like I said, they have the superstitions where they believe that people will come back to you or you know, you bad omen. And so when they leave the ruin, as they're walking away from it, their tradition says if you throw a rock behind your shoulder, that it leaves all that behind and you're free. Mm-hmm. But he had forgotten to do that. And so so we talked to him. We had special prayer for him at the car and we just asked the Lord to give him peace of mind. And he was still troubled and he kept muttering stuff about it on the ride home in the car and it was bothering him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, there wasn't really anything he could do about it. So we get home, have supper, and we go to bed. And then in the middle of the night, everybody's sleeping. It was probably like three in the morning or so. Mm-hmm. Everybody's sleeping and we had a whole house full, like I said. All of a sudden, his little baby just screams at the top of its lungs. Mm-hmm. It's like this blood curling scream, like somebody is killing it. It wasn't like a bad nightmare. It was like somebody is killing the baby. Mm-hmm. And so everybody started praying because we knew exactly what it was all about. And we're like, they have just seen a demon. And so we were praying, everybody in the house. We didn't, you know, know that the others were praying, but... Yeah. So we knew we were all praying together. So we were just praying with the Lord to deliver him. And um, and then just as quickly as it started, it stopped. Mm-hmm. The silence. And the baby just fell back to sleep peacefully. Mm-hmm. And we asked him in the morning what happened. And he said, um, Brody told us, he said, the baby woke up and it screamed. And that woke him up. And when he looked up in the room, he saw a demon mm-hmm. coming after him and his baby. Mm-hmm. And he knew it was because he didn't throw the rock. And so he was like, what do I do? I'm, it's going to kill me. There's nothing I can do. And he really regretted that he didn't throw the rock. But then he remembered what we told him, that God could protect him and deliver him from the evil spirits and so then he just cried out he didn't really know how to pray because he'd never prayed before yeah he just cried out and he's like lord help me and he said as soon as he said that 
the demon fled. Mm. And his baby just relaxed and went back to sleep. Mm. And it was so amazing for him to see the power of prayer and the power that God has over all the witchcraft and the evil spirits. And mm-hmm. it's very powerful. Another time, um, down there on the reservation, we see it much more the witchcraft than we do, like, <laughs> us <laughs> <Yeah>. here. Because <laughs> it's just way more prevalent because, you know, they use it down there. So, one time, um, we had quite a bit of, like, people who would, like, cast spells on us and stuff like that. If, you know, they didn't like something, then mm. they would put a curse or, on their neighbor or... Some people would try to come and bless us or, you know, they, they work like that. Mm. And so one time, um, those were, you know, when we were first there and I didn't understand really how, how much there was witchcraft and I didn't, so I heard the people talking about the Bigfoot. Okay. And I thought like very interesting and I kind of questioned it. At one time, uh, I was walking home at night, and I was kind of questioning God a little bit, mm-hmm. like struggling spiritually, and, and something came to me, and it came running behind me, and it was so huge. It was like two stories, I mean, just way bigger than me, and yeah. I knew that there was no hope, and like when you experience something like that, it's very, very fearful mm. <laughs> because like it's way beyond human. Mm. And so I was just praying um, as soon as I felt that, just, Lord, deliver me from the enemy. And as soon as I prayed that, it was like it ran, it fled, and you could hear the footsteps, and they fled so fast. Mm. There was just like a weight, and I could feel God's presence there with me. And many, many times, very similar things. Um, it's very real when you when you see things like this, and you see that God is so so powerful mm-hmm. against the enemy, even though He's very strong. Also, for sure, it's it's kind of different because when you're out there and you're trying to reach these people that are perhaps you know like Satan has kind of like control over you know he's put them in the spot of fear where they're not mm-hmm. going to want to seek anything else for fear these demons or these spirits and mm-hmm. then when you come in and you know you try to teach them about jesus and they have this potential to be saved you know satan gets very mad and mm-hmm. so he does these very powerful manifestations because he's mm-hmm. an angel he's more powerful than we sometimes give him credit for yeah. to try to keep them in that place of fear but when that can be broken, like what a testimony mm-hmm. to God because there's no, there's no denying there's a devil because mm-hmm. you've seen it, and then you can like acknowledge God and find that strength in Him. Mm-hmm. You know, what can, what can prevail against you? Yeah. We had um, several of the young people down down there. So when we first went there, there were, it was like. They were so involved in drugs and alcohol and mm-hmm. gangs that it was like, how can, how can we ever 
like even start to reach them because mm -hmm. there was like nothing in common. Um, our life was so different from theirs that it was like, yeah, it was really difficult. So um, probably like six months, we didn't, we just were like kind of stumped. We didn't know what to do. And then my sister and I were like, well, I guess we can't do anything. We have to just let God work. So mm -hmm. we need to start praying. So we would fast and pray, and my sister would fast one day, and then I would fast the next day, and then she would fast again, and I would fast again. So every day, one of us was fasting and praying for them. And when you start putting that much into somebody, it really um, changes how you feel about them. <laughs> and so... I guess we were much more in earnest because, you know, we were putting so much into them. Mm -hmm. And then we had, we had started to see, like, progress, but not too much. And then we had one evening where it kind of all just came apart for them. So, um, so we knew them. They would come over, but it would just be, you know, for a few minutes to get something and then they would leave. Mm -hmm. But even those little interactions, they had some sort of a big impact on them. And the atmosphere in the home, it, it meant so much to them. So one evening, um, we were just getting ready to go to bed. And the door just burst open. Um, and this girl comes rushing in the room. And terror on her face. Mm -hmm. And her boyfriend comes chasing it right after her. And we're like, what's going on? Yeah. And she had just kind of come to a crisis in her life where she was like, there's no hope. There's no hope. And like, I'm, I'm too bad for God. God will never forgive me. Mm -hmm. And I've done too many wicked things. And, and like, I don't like that life, but I, I can't attain a better life. And so she just wanted to give up. And, mm -hmm. and because of her lifestyle, she had, um, she had arms, and so she was ready to take her life. And her boyfriend had seen her starting to prepare to do that. And so he had, he had wrestled the gun away from her. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what do you want? What do you want? Like, I'll do anything for you. What do you want right now? Tell me anything. And she said, just take me. Take me to the church house. Mm -hmm. And so, so when she got there... It was just like, it was a moment of life and death, you know, if she stayed in the car, she wanted to kill herself. So she came rushing and just burst into the door, and, and then she went to the couch and she just sat there and cried and cried. And mm -hmm. we were like, what's going on? Yeah. And we were trying to figure it out. And, it, you know, sometimes God works in ways that we don't expect. But that's what we had been praying for. Mm -hmm. And that was a moment when she changed. And so we were able to talk with her and help her understand that, you know, God, he really cares. And he'll forgive you, even even though it's been a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and it was a moment where her life drastically changed. Um, she decided to give God a chance. And so, and she was kind of like the ringleader of a lot of the young people. Mm -hmm. And so... From that moment, then we had my parents at our house all the time, every day, learning, like trying to understand the truth, going through Bible studies, and 
trying to get to know God for himself and seeing how he really can change their life and make it so much better. Mm. You know, it's really a wonderful experience to see God work. Mm-hmm. Like so often, like unintentionally, we undervalue like the essence of like one life because like we think, oh, well, you know, like how much good can we really do, Lord? And, you know, like for you, but like, and like that girl, like just her conversion, you know, and, like just her realizing that you know, like God can save me. Like mm-hmm. it was able to change the attitudes of like so many young people, mm-hmm. and seeing that, and so like. And just one soul or like just one life like it really does have value and essence and it really can bring many to god you know if we unite with him and if we're truly like changed and transformed into his image it's you know we're not so little that we can't do something even yeah. if it's a little it can really mean a lot yeah. that's cool it's a good experience yeah. wonderful to see god and just how he changes people because it can be so drastic, you know? Yeah. I'm like, oh yay, Lord! Like, their life is changing, or even the small moments, like mm-hmm. when I do Bible study with people, and they're like, oh, I'm starting to read my Bible every day. I'm like, yay! Yeah. Like, it's building that relationship mm-hmm. and, like, realizing that you have a God that loves you and will forgive you or is strong enough to deal with those spirits or that witchcraft around you and mm-hmm. understanding his character that was what will draw you mm-hmm. and it, it was interesting also that god really wanted us to to pour ourselves out too he was mm-hmm. like waiting for us to really be interceding and to be serious in their behalf because that kind of changed our heart in a way so that when she came like that we were prepared for it because mm-hmm. i don't know how we would have accepted it if she had come you know, before we've been praying, we might have, we might have, I don't know, responded in a different way. Mm-hmm. So, God had to work in both of our lives. <laughs> yeah, sometimes He has to change us first, mm-hmm. so that way we're ready for that. Not that we're like completely messed, completely in the wrong, but like sometimes we have to really labor for that person mm-hmm. and really love them. So when that breaking point comes we already have that heart of deep compassion and deep love and this is what we've been praying for and like we've already been trying to reach them for a thousand angles so we really appreciate that change and we're really ready for that moment mm-hmm. instead of being like oh, well you finally got your act together praise <laughs> but yeah really having that heart of love just like god does for them. well thank you for sharing i really appreciate that i think that's i feel like Maybe, like, the plight of the Navajo is the plight of us all. Mm -hmm. And, like, maybe too little do we realize that we get caught up in our own, like, superstitions and problems and addictions. And our addictions don't have to be alcohol and drugs to keep us from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And America's a lot more superstitious than they'd like to tell you Mm -hmm. as I run with the ambulance. You're not allowed to say the word quiet or busy or... (laughs) we're all superstitious and I think we all have those things keeping us like from God but sometimes because they're not so obvious or they're not so blatant like others we we don't think of them but yet there's still obstacles that God has to overcome and praise God you know that for a changed life you know when one soul is comes to the Lord because 
Man, what a great work they can do if only they're willing. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it, and I love those little stories. I love. I love that they were like from here in a sense. Like the culture was very different because it is when you when you travel around the U.S. Mm. But yet, it's still like here at home because mm. like. Yeah, Nepal is cool. Don't you love stories from that? But like sometimes we think those miracle stories or like those mission stories that. You know, they only happen in other countries and other places, but... They happen here, too, all around us. Mm-hmm. You know, people's... Like, even the victory of, like, someone reading their Bible every day, we don't think of it, but that is a great victory because that's, that's God changing them. And, you know, we need to rejoice in the small things and pray for those things so that way we're prepared to pray those bigger prayers and really see those changes. Yeah, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I love little miracle stories. They're so cool. Anyway, well, thank you guys for tuning in. And tune in next week for Kylie recording someone else. Bye. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, share, like, and review. Also, you can contact us at our Facebook page. That is God is Real, God is Good podcast. Or you can email us at God is real, God is good, podcast at gmail.com. Bye! Bye.